Hi, I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases and the host of Fostering Change. You know, with our second season of Fostering Change just coming to an end, we are really looking forward for the launch of season three in November. But until then, I thought it would be kind of exciting to share some of what I call the best of. Last week, we actually got to re-air our interview with Dr. Bruce Perry, who actually co-authored the book, What Happened to You with Oprah Winfrey. Today, I'm sharing my interview with my incredible friend, Carolyn Boudreaux. I actually was able to meet Carolyn several weeks ago in New York at a fundraiser, and she is everything you could possibly imagine. She is the founder of the Miracle Foundation, where for the past 20 years, they have been empowering children to reach their full potential. I think that's something that we all should be striving for. We had the most incredible conversation, and I know it was worth sharing it again with all of you. So please sit back, enjoy, however you're listening to this, or maybe watching, and we will see you next week. Our foster care system is shattered. And this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, change in the system and changing the lives of children in foster care. Hi, my name is Rob Shear. I'm the founder of a national charity called Comfort Cases. I'm an advocate for children in foster care. I'm a public speaker. I'm an author of a forever family but most important, I'm a dad to five of the most amazing kids. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and as you know, I am the founder of Comfort Cases and the host of Fostering Change. You know, when I started this podcast about a year ago, I really wanted to make sure that we were educating our community about our children of today and our children of tomorrow. You know, I say this quite often, our community is not our zip code. It is our human race our human race. And what affects me in my little town of Darnstown, Maryland with my five amazing children affects people in Austin, Texas. It affects people in New Delhi. And people do not realize that our world needs to talk about children who we consider, as I say, disposable. They're not disposable. You know, about a year ago, I had an amazing organization come to me and asked if I would do some partnering with them in helping communities come together of different types of nonprofits to really elevate how we can get permanency for children within our country and within our world. That organization was called Orphan Myth. Well, for those of you who've known me through this last eight years of the journey with comfort cases, that word orphan triggered me like I had never felt. See, I never wanted to talk about the fact that at, I was an orphan. You know, at the age of 12, when I lost my parents, I became an orphan. At the age of 18, when my foster parents had decided that they no longer wanted me, I became an orphan. Yeah, an orphan. 
You know, I kind of never wanted to hear that word. And it has taken many, many hours and many, many months of therapy to realize that even now at 54, that word orphan is truly what I was. Well, you know what? We're starting this next two podcasts to talk about the orphan myth and to talk about the partners that we have to elevate this 100% participation campaign. And I am so, so excited to kick this off with my amazing friend, Carolyn Boudreaux. Carolyn is actually the founder of the Miracle Foundation organization. I have been visiting her website. She has been on everything from Forbes, USA Today, CNN, People, Rolling Stone. Um, but what I've really found out is that she has a passion, an absolute passion to make sure that every single child knows that they are loved and that they deserve a permanent foundation. So please welcome my amazing friend, Caroline Boudreaux. Caroline, you're coming on. Hello. Hi. Thanks so, for having me, Rob. Oh, you're very, very welcome. You know, I am I'm the one that's absolutely humble that you actually are here. And I'm so, so excited to talk about the work that you're doing and how, you know, we can make a stronger platform. You know, when I started out in the, the nonprofit arena, I mean, by the way, you've been doing this for 21 years. I actually am a banker by trade. I've been a banker for 27 years. And eight years ago, I fell into this nonprofit world. But one thing I have found out is that not many organizations work together. And I think that we need to work together to be stronger. So I would love, first of all, for our audience to hear exactly what is the Miracle Foundation and what a mark you have been making around the world. Yeah, so um, I totally agree with you about starting to work together people working together. You know, we used to be able to depend on churches. We used to be able to depend on government. We used to be able to depend on the market. None of those things are really doing what we need them to do anymore. And so it is, it's the only way for us to really get a family for every child, get kids for every families is to, is for like-minded actors to act. So we're so glad to be working with you and the people at the orphan myth. The orphan myth is just a consortium of organizations who've agreed to work together. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, I really think it is. You know, I was looking last night at the list of all the organizations that are are stepping up and and you know, this is actually the kickoff of the 100% participation campaign and we're excited about it and we're also excited about, you know, here at Comfort Cases for people to learn about different organizations. You know, I say this all the time. Our world goes around because of what we call doers. And I feel that each one of us are a doer. The problem is a lot of us don't know what to do or where to go to do. And so I feel that Orphan Myth is going to give us that platform. Absolutely. And I know exactly what you're thinking about that, about not really knowing what to do or how to, how to really get involved. So, you know, I used to be in television. So I started a TV station with a couple of my friends. They were engineers. They literally wired the satellite for, for this TV station. And then I did the back office of the sales and um, we built this small little TV station. We had like six viewers in Austin and then it got sold to a, a big TV station back in, in the nineties. And so um, then it ultimately got sold again. And so it kind of got more and more corporate and I was just, I was making a lot of money, but I was thinking, wow, what is, what is this all about? Is this really what life is all about? And so 
like you do in Austin, Texas, I went to a happy hour with my friend. We got a couple margaritas and we cooked up this plan to take a trip around the world for a year to chase summer. We just wanted to visit different places around the world. And so spread this world map on the floor. We started picking the countries we were gonna see. And yeah, and she wanted to go to India because she'd been sponsoring this little kid through Christian Children's Fund. And she wanted to see if he was real. She wanted to go meet him. And I thought, oh my God, Chris, it's a scam. There's no way this kid is real. Like, let's not <laughs> even bother. But she was in love with him. She wanted to go meet him. So we started our trip in January of 2000. We worked our way up Africa. We got to India in May. So month five, we got to India. It was hotter than it could. I mean, it was, it was 119 degrees in this little village we were in. Yeah, it was like so hot. <laughs> And so we get to this village, we get paraded through this village. And at the end of this village is this little boy holding the first picture she had ever sent. It was, wow. he was real. And so we started doing volunteer work in the village. And then one day um, it was mother's day in the United States. So May the 14th of 2000, I got up early and called my mom, went and worked in the village at 119 degree heat, and then went to a local's house for dinner and walked into his house for dinner, expecting just to have this lovely dinner with this local. And we walked into his orphanage and were greeted by 110 filthy, bald, empty headed, I mean, empty eyed children. I mean, just these vacant looking children. It was like walking into a concentration camp. So we had um, dinner with the children. They served us chicken and they served the children rice, no protein, no, that's why they were bald. They didn't have any protein. We had a beautiful prayer service with them. And then after dinner, we were, um, we were holding them and, 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 you know, caring for them. And we were calling them Velcro babies because they were just all over us. And uh, this little girl came and put her head on my knee and I picked her up and I sang her the lullaby that my mother used, my mother used to sing to me because I hadn't forgotten for one second that it was Mother's Day. And I'm in this orphanage and I, I rock this little baby girl to sleep and I go to put her in her room and I walk into a room with these wooden beds. And, and Rob, the, the minute I put that hungry, orphaned baby on a wooden bed, I just thought, here I am, you know, I'm partying around the world and they don't even have a parent. And I, I just, I started the Miracle Foundation that very day because like you alluded to, I knew they were miracles. I knew they had this potential, this, I mean, you could just see it in them. If you looked hard enough, you could just see this human potential and that they just didn't have a foundation. And if they had a foundation that they would, they would have what they needed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I'm I, telling you, I get to hear a lot of stories and Caroline that, that hits home. So hits home, you know, we, I haven't really talked a lot about this, um, but my husband and I, about seven years ago, were at a fundraiser, and it was a fundraiser um, for an organization called Mothers Fighting for Others, and it was in reference to an orphanage that's in Kenya. That yeah, is uh, is that Rocky? Yes, I know yes. Rocky. Yes, and I know so, Rocky. Um, yeah, that is so crazy. So uh, we went to this. We went to this fundraiser. Rocky had invited us, and yep. um, she's awesome. We she's love a, her. She's a rock star. Rocky is a rock star. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know what to expect. You know, I just knew that I was going there. I was going to bid on some auction items and help my friend with this amazing organization. And there on the screen was a picture of a girl, a young girl. 
And I looked at my husband and I said, we have to sponsor her. And Reese was like, at that time, we only had four kids. He's like, we have four other <laughs> kids. And I said, but she's in this orphanage in Kenya. She has no parents. She, she needs, you know, and as we know, girls, especially at a certain age, education is out. And, you know, so we started sponsoring Jessica and we started sending pictures and we, and I will say Jessica just turned 21. She has graduated from high school. She is going to the university. Her dad and I have paid for her trip the entire way. And last week she sends me a, um, a call on the WhatsApp app and she says, dad, she says, I found this new apartment. And she says, and it's gonna be really safe. And the best part is my sister can come out of the orphanage and live with me. And will you and dad help me? You know, Carolyn, it's, it's what you just said. It's building a foundation. And of yeah. course, my husband and I said, of course. And, you know, she's in her last year at the university. But it, you said it. I mean, you look in these kids' eyes. And, and people say to me all the time, well, you know, there's 120,000 kids in the United States that need us. Why are, why are you spend, sending your money to Kenya? Because every child matters. Yeah. Every child matters. You know, when people realize that every child is our future for tomorrow, every child. It doesn't matter where they're laying their head. What we have to make sure is that they have a place to lay their head. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I call it OPCs, Rob. You know, it's, you know, other people's children. Other people's children. It's fine if other people's children are in foster care. It's fine if other people's children are in orphanage care. But I mean, that, we would never let that happen to our children. So until we start treating all children like our children, you know, as long as they're other people's children, we're not gonna, but when, you know, you, you said that she calls you dad, right? You ha we have to take on every child. They deserve that. Yeah. That's what they long for. Yeah, and you're right. And they're not other people's children. And I, I can't, they're not. I remind when, people all the time. When are you gonna figure that out? Yeah, they don't belong to you. They don't belong to me. They belong to us, to us, yeah. you know, and especially here in our country. And we're so lucky. Oh. We're so lucky. We're so lucky to have them. We're so, it's a, what an honor. What a, what a bless, every child's a blessing. We Every all know that. Child. And by the way, that myth, again, we talk about myth, you know, the orphan myth, you know, here in the United States, I remind people all the time is that we still have orphanages here in the United States. We just don't call them that any longer. They're called group homes. They're called institutions. Yep. They're all of these other names and, so, and they're foster homes. You know, they're no different than an orphanage, you know, and we here in the United States, for some reason, think that because we've taken in that word out of our vocabulary that it doesn't exist but my friend it does yeah yeah you know it really does listen everybody we're going to take a quick break here we have so much more to talk about you know i i say to each and every one of you it's all about education 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 and what you need to do is educate yourself on the miracle foundation organization please go to their your their website there are so many ways that we all can be doing and be helping and elevating these children you know right here in our country and it's no different anywhere else, my friends. If we do not help these children today, we will help them tomorrow. And the oh, sad yeah. part is, is tomorrow is behind bars, you know, because we've given them no type of future. So listen, 
We ask you all the time, share this podcast. You can listen to it on all the platforms of Apple and Google and Deezer. And also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave your comments. If you want to get in touch with my friend, you can always email us at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org, and we'll be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that is inspiring our communities to bring dignity and hope to youth in foster care. You know, for just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Cases mission to eliminate trash bags from the foster care system. For every $10 donated, a Comfort XL duffel bag will be given to a child entering foster care. Please help us be part of the change. Go to comfortcases.org and see how you can help a child entering our foster care system. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited to continue this conversation with my amazing friend, Carolyn Boudreau, who is actually with the Miracle Foundation organization. And, you know, as I said, this is the kickoff of the Orphan Myth campaign. Um, please make sure that you visit orphanmyth.org. It is a 100% participation campaign. Um, we've done these campaigns with other type of organizations, but I will tell you the thing about this one is it brings brings like-minded people together who can truly bring about change. And that's exactly what we want to do. Isn't that right, my friend? That's right. That's right. It's going to take a lot of us. You know, nothing's heavy if everyone lifts. And so we're all lifting at the same time. It's a powerful thing. You know, I always would like to know, what do you see our future when it comes to this? When it comes to the kids who are our leaders of tomorrow, by the way, what do you see the path that we're going? Oh, I love that question. So um, let me just kind of take you one step back to get one step forward. So, you know, I, I went to the orphanage. I thought it was horrible. I started going to a bunch of different orphanages around India, visited many, many orphanages. And I started realizing like, where are the processes? The reason we were successful at our little TV station was because I would sell into franchises. So I would sell to one person who owned, you know, 40 McDonald's. So, and I would see that these McDonald's all had an operational model. So we started going into existing orphanages and raising the standard of care by giving them an operational model because they all needed education. They all needed healthcare. They all needed house mothers. They all needed life skills. They all needed, you know, they all needed the same thing. So we operationalized all that and we started, um, they all needed the same chart of accounts. So we went into these 300 orphanages, raised the standards of care. It was all metrics based. We could see exactly how much height and weight every kid gained, you know, how, you know all that. So it was, it was a really powerful thing. So um, 300 orphanages, 15,000 children. It was just amazing. It scaled, you know, very difficult to scale in the nonprofit world. And, and in 2016, we went on a listening tour. We started listening to the children. We started talking to them and I realized, oh my gosh, that not one of them wants to be there. As good as these orphanages are, some of the best orphanages in the world, they do not wanna be there. Same with our foster um, people in foster. They do not want to be there. They want to be with a family. They wanna look like everybody else. They want their decisions. They wanna make decisions for themselves. They don't want to be jerked out of one home and into another. They wanna be a part of the decision-making process of their life. And so, um, we started getting children reintegrated with their families. So we would find Ken, you know, these uh, people would never, they, you know, their father would die or something. And so they would end up in an orphanage and no one ever went and talked to the grandmother or the aunt or the cousin or the big sister. No one ever even talked to them. 
So they, we started getting them back with their kin. So it was called kinship care, very popular wow. thing. But, but so America went from orphanages. We had a lot of orphanages back in the sixties. Uh, we went from orphanages to foster care and we started putting children with strangers strangers Without ever looking at chemistry so we would put an athlete in a musician's home we'd put an introvert with an extrovert we you know we didn't we never even it's like you know it's like we're supposed to live together and i don't even like who you are and what you do yeah. so um so kinship care is really working globally and i think that's the future oh. i think keep yes. Families together in the first place. We call it preventing children from entering the system. You could argue the minute they enter the system, the damage is done. Yes. Yep. And where is where are our resources going? Are our resources going to people that will raise a kid, or are resources going to people that know the child and you know that are already part of their family? So I think the future is kinship care. And I think the more we can wrap around families and strengthen families so that they never enter the system in the first place. When I say that, I mean, a social worker is never called. Yes. Yeah. And, and oh my gosh, you and I are so like-minded because this is what, and people get shocked that I say this, especially being a dad of five kids from the system. Foster care is not the answer. Okay. Yeah. We have already proven that it does not work. And if we need to take these billions of dollars that we had, we put in the child welfare system, by the way, where in my opinion, we're making money on the backs of children. We need to take that money and invest it in strengthening the family. You know, one of the things I've always thought, and, and, and no one seems to be able to give me this answer um, of the higher powers is if we can take a child out of a, a home and put it in a stranger and give that stranger money, okay? Because you and I both know that the majority of kids come into the system for neglect. And that neglect is because mom and dad have been able to pay their bills. Mom and dad haven't been able to put a roof over their head. Mom and dad haven't been able to, and, and by the way, mom and dad also haven't been able to earn a living wage to oh my parenting gosh, classes. Mom. And why, so can't, why can't we take a social worker? Why can't we take a mentor and plant that person inside the family and be there to strengthen and help that family and get that family on stable foundation? Because I'm telling you, the damage we do by yanking a child away, you know, and putting them with strangers, you know, it is some, some of these kids, it's irreversible. It's irreversible. Oh uh, yeah, uh, th there's no doubt about it. There's no, you know, there's, there's really three things that we we really need to do. Number one, we need to change the the narrative, the narrative that foster care is the answer, the narrative that that it's inevitable, the narrative that that uh, birth families are are bad or you know wrong or abusive. You know, we got to change our narrative. You know, and even the narrative that it's not solvable. This is solvable. Totally <laughs> solvable. Absolutely, totally solvable. We have to start speaking that way. Our narrative has to change. The second thing that has to change is our approach. Going into a home and deeming it abuse, rescuing a child out of their own family when their family needs some support instead of instead of pulling a child out. So, you know, as you know, you pull a person out of a family and you put them somewhere else and you think you're dealing with the same person and you're not. They're they're rev they're 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 a different person now. Yeah, and so they are. They are. And let me tell you, as a, a dad of five kids, um, I can tell you that that is the, that is truth. Um, you know, I understand that there are situations where children must be removed. And, you know, yeah. I, have, I have a son who came into the system with um, broken ribs, bleeding of the brain, chicken baby syndrome. But I want people to know is that 
we failed his birth mother because she was 13, um, you know, and she was in the system. And so we didn't give her the love and the parenting skills. So what did she do? She did exactly what any 13 year old child would do when a baby is crying all night long. But instead, there was and now you know i look 12 years have passed and and this is i my children were in closed adoptions but this is what i've said to every birth parent get anger management go to parenting class you know never disrespect their dads and then come and break bread come and yeah. enjoy the milestones of these amazing humans you know my daughter is 16 years old and i only have one princess because that's all my heart can take is one <laughs> girl but you know i i i we've start we built we've started to build a relationship with her biological mother and um and i say to her all the time you know the door is always open you know the phone number will never change and and i think it's making a healthier human and that's what i think that we need to start doing within this system because by the way we're not going to convince government to get rid of foster care but what we can convince them to do is their approach the narrative and what i think that the damage that i i've seen throughout the years is you you, you snatch a child from the only family they have and by the way i remember when i was 18 years old and i had become home Homeless. I was a senior in high school and I came from those abusive parents. My father would put cigarettes out on us. But as 18 years old, I remember sitting on the curb and I remember saying, I would just wish that I could feel that cigarette on my leg again, just because I knew my dad was there. And so you psychologize, I mean, these kids, it doesn't matter how bad it is. This is their family. So we snatch them away. We put them with strangers. They stick with the stranger for two years, some to even more floundering from home to home to home. And then, you know, the, the biological family get one hour supervised visit a week. Then all of a sudden the courts say, okay, this child can go back to their bio parents. And then they never can see the foster parent again. So you want to talk about, you know, that whole ad attachment. We need to be working together. That's it. Together. That's it. And that's the third thing we need. We need everyday heroes to step up and start taking care of OPCs, start taking care of other people's children and treating those children the same way. And, and if that means supporting a nonprofit organization that's going to do that and make that happen, that's one thing. Or if it means doing like what you did and adopting five children, it, it might mean that. But we all have a role to play here. We do. We do. And, you know, I truly believe that that there's so many things, you know, as we're talking about this, this orphan myth campaign that's going on right now, you know, I, I always think about the here in, in the United States, um, how we have so separated our churches from our children. And, you know, and I, I'm not a, a big believer. I mean, I'm a very devoted Methodist, but I'm not a big believer that we push religion on other people. But I feel that the churches have stepped back because of all the bad press, that somehow we need to bring our churches back in together to start helping to raise these children. What do you feel about that? I think everybody really wants to make a difference. Yeah. That's what you're learning about in your church. You know, you're learning that you have to be the difference. You have to step up and be of service and be of love and have some courage and do, you know, step outside yourself. That's what we all learn in our church. And so um, we, and we all want to make a difference. So it's time that we all step up and step into the game, whether that's 10% of your money or a hundred percent of your time or, you know, what, whatever it is, it, it's time to get in the game. 
It is. That, that's the other thing is this sense of urgency. Where is the sense of urgency? We got to move. These are children here. I Days agree. matter. Hours matter. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Minutes yeah. matter. Minutes matter. Yeah. You know, yeah. minutes matter. It's, it's, you know, to me, they, it's gotten to a point where they're just numbers and they're not humans. And that's what we, they are humans. You know, I was reading it's the statistics the other day that here in our country, you know, 64% of our prison inmates were in foster care. Yep. You know, I mean, Caroline, if we have not realized we failed with that type of statistic, you know, it, it just nothing. Let me tell you, I could talk to you all day long. This has been so unbelievably educating. You know, I think that it's so important that to change the narrative, we first have to educate our community um, because I believe that our community really wants to help change. Yes. They just don't know what to do. Yes. And they don't know how to do it. And I am a firm believer that, you know, with, with us, when it came to comfort cases, we wanted to eliminate trash bags being given to a child in foster care. And we thought that if we could start just chipping away at the things that were that, that, that low hanging fruit, it could really make a difference. And so, and I see that you're doing that with your organization. What is the best way for somebody to um, get involved with the Miracle foundation uh, it's the same way you get involved with any nonprofit, and i'll tell you i'll tell you the thing it's monthly giving yes. nothing changes the game right yes nothing changes the game better than monthly giving because you know when i went from the corporate world to the nonprofit world the thing that confused me was this not having you know regular in income like what yeah. <laughs> 60% of our money in December. I mean, who runs a business like that? So yeah, so this, so we have been pushing monthly giving for years and I'm telling you, it's our bread, but it's how every nonprofit you pay, your, you pay your internet bill every month, you pay your social workers every month, you pay your people every month. That's how you, you, you need to get paid. So monthly giving is the best way you can possibly help Miracle Foundation. It's the best way you can help any nonprofit organization. I love that because I agree with you on that. You know, um, we just did, you know, our statistics and we are so lucky that we are going on our eighth year and it's because of our monthly donors. You know, I, I remind people that $10 a month that you're donating to our organization is the difference between whether or not a child is given a trash bag or given a comfort cases. And, and, you know, much, very much like your organization, I always tell people all the time, it doesn't matter how much you give us just give because by you giving that monthly donation making that monthly commitment um it truly makes a difference you know i will tell you to all of our listeners please you know i i i ask a lot from you all and you all always step up to the plate because <laughs> i believe that each and every one of us within inside of us are good humans and good humans take care of each other it's the reason our forefathers built our communities was for us to make sure that we're taking care of each other and if we're not taking care of our children, then truly, what are we doing about our future? And so please, I know that most of us vi visit that overpriced coffee shop. We spend a lot more money than what my friend and I are asking for. But please go to MiracleFoundation.org. Um, become a monthly donor. You know, really make sure that your money is going to organizations that are being part of the change. You know, Caroline, you are amazing. I hope this is not the last time that I have you on Fostering Change. Oh, it won't be, Rob. I mean, I 
think I think you and I are stuck now. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, everybody, this has been an amazing episode. Please make sure that you go to orphanmyth.org. Find out about this 100% campaign that we are so, so excited about. Let's change the vocabulary of everyone, but let's also not wear blinders and thinking that these things are not here because, as my friend said, they're other people's children. No, there are children. Listen, the best best flattery, leave us a review. Please make sure that you share our podcast. Make sure that you are listening and let us know what you think. Email us at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel and share, share, share. I hope each and every one of you have an amazing day. And make sure you like stick your hand in that pocket and out a couple of extra dollars visit my friend's organization become a monthly donor please help join the 100 percent participation campaign at orphan myth and let us all change the world have a good day everybody <laughs>